You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. So David and I actually never met in South Africa. We met in Chicago while he was on eldership with Steve and Debbie there. But uh, just an absolute delight. Let's uh, stretch out our hands. Let's pray for this young man. Father, we love you and we bless you. Thank you, Father, for David, for the gift that he is, Lord, for the level that he operates at. Thank you, Father, for 614 in Columbus and the, the incredible job they do in there of reaching that city. Father, we just we, we bless that church. Bless Dave and Kathy, bless this family, bless their eldership team, Father, and we ask this morning that you open our hearts, our ears, and our spirits, Father, to what it is you want to say through your son this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Go for it, David. Good morning. Good morning, church. How are you? So this is for short people over here. Was this you for you, Terry? Oh. <laughs> Uh, so, so excited to be here. Was, hasn't it been an amazing morning already? Uh, I, let's just thank the worship team again. That was just amazing just to worship together. Um, it is a tremendous uh, privilege and honor to be here. Uh, we were here last year in, in March and so excited to be back. Connor, why don't you come up real quick? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, my wife couldn't join uh, us this time, so I brought Connor. He's 15. And all of you are thinking, I know what you're thinking, it is true. I started having kids when I was 10. So, uh, so there you go. But uh, thanks. But Connor is uh, the oldest of our four kids, and uh, Kathy is back home manning the fort over there. Uh, but, but as Terry said, we, we moved to Columbus about four and a half years ago. I got there through a job transfer. We were on leadership at a church in Chicago. And um, when we, we got to Columbus, we then went to an equip in Chicago in uh, 2014, I believe it was. And uh, both, uh, when we were there, both Kathy and I felt, we, you know, we'd been looking for a church for six months and found some great churches there, but that God called us to, to, to start a new church. So uh, it was at the equip, and I saw Terry standing there. I'm like, hey, Terry, we've got to have lunch, uh, like, today. And so Terry and Sandy took Kathy and I out for lunch. And so he said, go for it. It'll be fun. It's easy. And um, so we started the next Sunday. And so that's why I'm saying it is actually Terry's fault uh, that we started the church. He did say it was easy. Um, but, uh, you know, there you go. <laughs> um, all right. So about six months ago uh, at our church at 614, uh, God gave me uh, Joshua chapter 1 to preach out of. And for a few weeks, I preached out of jo Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 9 for maybe four weeks. Is this sounding okay? Good. And uh, little did I know that God was preparing us for something. We're going to go into Joshua 1 right now. So we, we looked at Joshua 1 six months ago, and it was almost immediate, immediately the proverbial poop hit the fan, almost, almost immediately. And so for the last six months, we've been facing it uh, as a church, as a family, in my job, just a bunch of stuff happening all at the same time. And so I've been preparing for this morning, and as I've been preparing, I probably changed the topic three times, and we were in the air on the way here, and I said to my wife, it's all of a sudden, everything became clear. I'm like, I went back to Joshua chapter one, and I remember what God told us there, 
And I feel like it's something for, for, for Redemption City as well. Uh, Joshua took one. What happened there, so let me just tell you, my topic today is courageous leadership. Courageous leadership. So if you will, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, in case you're following with me. I hope that's the one you have on the screen, right? No, okay. So my words may be slightly different than the one that you have, but follow with me. It's the same Bible. Okay, Joshua 1, verse 6. Here are the words. Be strong and courageous. This is God speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Again, be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. And so what, what's happening here? Joshua just took over the leadership from Moses. Moses had just died. And God is giving him these instructions to be strong and courageous. Once. Next verse. Be strong and very courageous. Twice. Two verses later, be strong and very courageous. And I thought, is he just hard of hearing? Maybe. If you carry on, Joshua chapter 12, it says, it shows you 31 kingdoms that were conquered. The, the instruction to be strong and courageous three times came before the battle started. It came before the wars started, before they started taking ground. God reminded them over and over, listen, be strong, courageous, follow my word, do not deviate from you, I will be with you always, but be strong and courageous. In a time when they didn't need strength and courage, God told them over and over, so that when the battles come, they would be strong and very courageous, amen? So this is what I feel like God is telling me, he's like, I told you six months ago, be strong and courageous, you are about to take ground in that city. You're about to move forward. And so all year we've been preaching about taking ground. What does it mean to take ground at work? What does it mean to take ground in your family, in your, your personal devotion, in following Jesus, in following his lordship? What does it mean to take ground in all these areas? And what happens is when you take ground, somebody else is losing ground, and they don't like that. 31 kingdoms faced Israel, and they lost. But there was a battle to be won. It was a battle to be won. And I feel like this could be for people in this place. But the instruction was so clear. Uh, he said, um, be, be careful to obey all the instructions. Why? I think God knows us. He knows our nature. We consult our friends and our family before we consult our Father. Isn't that true? We consult our friends and our family. What is conventional wisdom in this situation? Before we consult our Father. We look to the world before we look to the word, right? That's why I said in verse eight, study this book of instructions continually. Again and again, he said in these, in these four verses, we look to the word, world before we look to the word. And God wants us to bring our focus and attention back onto the Lord, back onto his ways, back onto his instructions so that we can be successful. Amen? 
What's the other one he said? Meditate on these words day and night. You know what God told me? It's because we meditate on our worries and our concerns day and night. That's our natural default. How many people, I cannot believe how many people in our city, in the last few years I've met, who are riddled with anxiety, riddled with worries and concern. And I get it. It's, it, is, it is a big deal. It is a big deal when that gets a hold of you. The Lord is reminding us, let's meditate on Him. Let's worship. Let's worship Him over and over. Think about Him. Think about His Word. Think about His ways. Think about these, these, these words that were shared this morning. The beauty of Jesus. The power of Jesus. Everything that He has done. Meditate on those things. Amen? And here's another tendency we have as humans. We tend to fear and get discouraged when things get hard, isn't it? We get discouraged when things get hard. I've been so discouraged chapter after chapter in the last few, few months at our church. And God brought me back here. He said, I told you, don't fear. Don't be discouraged. There's a promise that came with that in verse 9. He said, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So as I preach today... I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. The Lord is just reminding me again. And so if I get a little passionate, it's because I really need to hear this. Amen? You with me? Okay. So I want to ask, uh, are there any leaders in the room today? Would you put up your hand for me? Okay. All right, there's a few leaders over here. All right, maybe let's look, ask you this way. Are there any mothers in the room today? Any mothers? Um, mothers, do you have any influence over your kids? Do you teach them? Do you teach them? Do you guide them? Do you, do you love your kids? Do you look out for them? Do you protect them? Sounds to me like you're a leader. Amen? Mothers, you exert influence over your family. Fathers, same way. You exert influence over your family. You're a leader wherever you are. Are there any students in the room? Few students, whether you're in school, elementary, high school, college, any, any students in the room? Um, I'm, I'm suspecting if you're a Christian, you have a place of influence in your friends group, friends of group. Uh, you got it. You got it. You guys are clever. I like this is a good group right here. I, I get it. My, my son's a, a high school kid right now, and I get the, the, the challenges we face in schools right now. As a Christian, God has called you to be an influence amongst your friends, to be an influence, to stand up for what is right in your friend group, in your school, to say no when the reefer gets passed, to be different. You know what I'm saying? To be different, to, to stand up for the, the kid who's being bullied. That is a child of God exerting some influence in the realm that you're in. John Maxwell defines leadership in one word. He says, leadership equals influence. Leadership is not a title. It's not a position. You have been called to make disciples. That is every single one of you. To make disciples, to lead, to teach, to influence others so that they would become all that God has for them. My point here is you have been called to be a leader. And this message is for you. Courageous leadership is what you and I need in this season in America, in this city, and in this time. Courageous leadership. Amen? So to get a little bit more practical about courageous leadership, it sounds all good. And here I can stand on a stage and say, you need to have courage. And I'm like, okay, how do you do that? 
And I wanted to talk about two specific areas. Uh, courage, leadership courage when it comes to your relationships, and leadership courage when it comes to kingdom advancement. Okay? I want to talk about that real practically. So firstly, courageous leadership in relationships. You need to have, you and I need to have courage to have Jesus conversations. Amen? All right, let me, let me, let's get honest here with each other. I work in corporate America. I work at a bank called Huntington. It's one of the top 20 banks in, in America uh, out of like 4,000. Did you know there are 4,000 banks in America? Um, it's a highly competitive corporate culture. And I have a fairly senior job there. And, you know, there's people who report to me and I have a position of influence there. Do you know how much courage it takes in that position to then have Jesus conversations with people? I presume each one of you, where you work from day to day, where you live, our culture isn't necessarily open to you coming and talk, talking to them about Jesus. Anyone? Except they are. They are open. I, I've had the most incredible experiences lately. I've been at this company for, for five years. We've had up to eight or nine people from my job come to our church through, through like me being very, very nervous in approaching the topic of Jesus with them, because some of them reported to me, some of them like, you know, I'm in meetings all the time, and you're having all these meetings, and, and now they see that I preach on a Sunday, I'm like, this is going to be awkward, but eight or nine people have come, three of them have gotten saved when they came to church, one, two of them, first Sunday they came, got saved, the other one took a year, and he got saved there. And that's amazing. There's another guy who comes. I don't know if he's saved, but he brings his wife and their three kids, and they keep coming to church. And it's amazing that the people are open to the gospel. You and I need to have relational courage to have Jesus' conversations with people. Amen? God placed you there where you work and in your neighborhoods for that very reason is to exert influence to exert influence, to tell people about Jesus. You are the reason. You are the answer for people in your company. Amen? We've just run our, our second round of Alpha. We're, we're in week five of Alpha. And Alpha is like a course, you know, with videos, and you have a dinner, you have a video series, you have discussions. And it's really aimed at, at having Jesus' conversation with people who are not churched or don't know anything about him. So we, we um, talk to our church a lot about this. We advertise it. We put it on social media. We paid money to get it out there. And uh, we had about 48 people in total register for it. Out of that 48, 20 of those people uh, are unchurched, unchurched, do not go to church or used to go when they were little kids or have, have no active relationship with the Lord. 100% of those people came because somebody in our church had some relational courage to invite them. Isn't that incredible? One guy who got saved, uh, his name is Christian, uh, coincidentally, um, our worship leader thought of him three days before Alpha started. And he's like, this guy is in my condo building. I'm like, I should, I should just ask him. Let's see what happens. He, he said, hey, Christian, our church is running this thing for people to learn a little bit more about Christianity and faith and ask those kind of questions. And um, he said, would you be interested? And the guy said, well, yeah, I've actually been uh, thinking about these things a lot lately. Thank you for inviting me. So Christian has come every week. And... Uh, 
on week four, uh, Christians started having an argument with a guy who was a universalist um, who, who said, look, always, always lead to God. So here's Christian's words. This guy has not been in church in two decades. His mom raised him in Episcopalian, and they went, he said, a few times. Here's his words, Christian, to this, to this guy. He said, look, you may even believe that a few people got together to write the Bible and, you know, kind of go, do a good thing and talk about some good things. He says, but at the end of the day, all the Bible actually tells you and is trying to tell you is that Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Christian, I guess, I guess these things have become a revelation to you. Christian came because someone took some courage, some leadership courage in a relationship to ask, ask them. And the kingdom of God advances with every decision that aligns itself with the word of God. Every person that aligns himself with God, the kingdom of God is advancing. Every discussion we can have with someone where they're making a decision where righteousness prevails, the kingdom of God is advancing. The rule and reign of Jesus is advancing. Amen. Another courage I believe we need um, as Christians today is the courage to lean into conflict, to lean into difficult situations. What I mean with that is, Someone told me recently that the leaders that he's seen have been the most successful is those who've not been afraid of leaning into tough conversations, leaning into difficult situations. I'm finding with our church, I need to go preach this over and over, we, we've lost the art of when you have a conflict with someone to actually look them in the eye and say, hey, we need to talk about this, just like Jesus tells us to do. If you have a problem with your brother, go and talk to him. We've lost that art because we don't want to offend people. We want to be politically correct. So we try and avoid conflict as much as we do, right? You remember the, the Beatitudes? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. It's not the peacekeepers or the let's maintain the status quo so no one gets, gets uh, unhappy. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, the New Living Translation says, those who work for peace. Do you know when you go into a conflict situation to make peace, you're going to have to have the courage to have tough conversations, the courage to lean into conflict, the courage to bring the perspective of Jesus into different situations because we're not very good at conflict right now. Anyone got Facebook? <laughs> Try to have a political conversation right there. That's always fun. Don't do it. But as parents, as parents, we're not afraid of, of breaking into, into conversations, right? Our, our kids fight and things happen, we get involved. But here in the church, let's be that kind of church. Let's be that kind of church where this guy is mad at that guy. You get involved. Hey, guys, this is not the way of the Lord. Go speak to him. Go, go speak to her. Let's talk about this. Our, our companies, my company, where I'm at, people are, the, Ohio is notoriously nice. Everyone is so nice. Midwestern, anyone here from Ohio? No? Okay. They're, they're so nice, it's almost irritating. I'm like, please, just give me your opinion, even if I don't like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's, that's nice, that's nice. And it's this uh, consensus leadership. But we've, we've become so politically correct-minded that we allow disunity to breed, 
we allow gossip to grow wings and we allow misunderstandings to breed offense, which then breeds bitterness, which leads to broken relationships. Friends, as leaders, we need to be, have courage to lean into tough conversations. Amen? Here's another one. Courage to give real feedback and courage to confront sin. Amen? There's a lady I've been reading lately. Her name is Brene Brown. She says, it's kind to be clear. It's unkind not to be, to be unclear. It's kind to be clear with someone. It is kind to tell them, hey, the way you spoke to me, that hurt my feelings, that, that offended me. Can we talk about this? I'd like for us to work this out. How about this one? Hey, dude, the way you spoke to your wife, that's not good. That's not honoring. That's not going to build a strong relationship. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is this uncomfortable? And I don't want you to go mingle in everybody's business. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right? Most of you are like, wait a minute. Am I, I'm going I'm to be the moral police over here? No. But with your friends, your, your people you're making disciples of, people that you're in connection with, let's lean into these conversations and confront sin in people's lives. Because as a disciple maker, you're teaching people to obey all that Jesus commanded. You're not just teaching them what Jesus commanded. You're teaching them how to obey it. We've got to lean into these areas. Amen. All right, another one. Courageous leadership in kingdom advancement. For us, we're, we're church planting, and, you know, it's, it was a big thing that we jumped into. And, and, and being able to have courage to step into the unknown, um, it's, it's a difficult place to be. But I thank the Lord for that conversation with Terry and Sandy. I was joking. I don't think he actually said it was easy. What he did say was, do it, and we will be there every step of the way with you. And he meant it. Six weeks later, he was with us when we started a little group. Had no idea how many people were there. But the courage to step into the unknown. Unfortunately, what we are used to and what we like is to know step one through ten of the process that God is going to take you through, right? God, did, God told the people of Israel, God told Joshua, this is yours. So he said, look, here's the vision. You, the, I'm going to give you the land. But he didn't tell them exactly every step they, that they had to go. First step was Jericho. All right, go to Jericho. Now, follow me on Jericho. This is what we're going to do there. Once that was done, once that obedience was, was taken, that step was taken, then the Lord took them to the next step and to the next step. But we like to control things, and we need to have courage to be able to step into the unknown. I've got friends thinking right now about church planting, and they're thinking about, yeah, but what does it look like in two years and in five years, and how exactly is it going to work with this and with that? I said, look, what you need to figure out is what has God told you? Has God told you to take this step? If so, obey. Let's have the courage to obey Jesus. Let's have the courage to take him at his word. Amen? Courageous leaders trust the leading of their father. And God promised he will not take you somewhere where his presence will not carry you. Maybe God's put on your heart and one of the leaders have come to you and say, hey, do you want to start a connect group? And you're like, yeah, but I don't know how. I've, I've, never, I've never done anything like that before. Let's take some courage. Yeah. Let's take some courage and step into the next thing that God has for you. Yeah. 
Maybe you've been reading the Bible or they take up an offering and you're like, what is this? Like, I, I hardly make my month meet. What do you mean I got to give 10% of my income? Wait, 10% of my gross income? Are you crazy? Amen? What about taking the courage to trust your father and take him at his word and step into the unknown? Amen? People always love that tithing one. It's like their favorite. The next one in this kingdom advancement, and, and we talk about church planning a lot. We talk a lot about it in our, in our church and in our circle of churches. But the truth is, you know, I, I, was, I have this number in my head always. Let's say there's 100 people in a church. You typically have one full-time guy, and there's 200 people in a church. Typically, you've got two, and then the staff grows. And typically, 1% to 2% of a church is actually going to be called to be full-time at that church, Right? So what about the 98 to 99%? God wants you to advance the kingdom. Not just Terry and Sandy to advance the kingdom. Amen? God wants you to advance the kingdom at your work. Your day job where you spend 40 to 50 hours a week. God wants you to advance the kingdom of God over there. By bringing righteousness. I was telling them, uh, uh, some, some guys yesterday, our company, Huntington, has just decided to raise the minimum wage up to $16 an hour. Because someone at the, at the top, someone in the, in the branch leadership said, look, I feel for the people who come to, my, uh, to, come to be tellers or in, their, uh, in the operations center, they're not making it work. They're not meeting their financial obligations. So they wanted to do something to help their colleagues, we have 20,000 people in our, in our company, to raise the minimum wage, to raise the standard of living so that people could you know, live respectfully. I want to see Christians making decisions like that that affect the people they work with, that affect their companies, that treat and value the dignity of humans all over so that we can have inroads into their lives so that people can live free financially and live free spiritually. Amen? We have this guy, uh, he's been visiting our church. His, his daughter comes to ch uh, our, our church from time to time. His name is Judge Paul Herbert. And... Um, He's a judge in, in Columbus, Ohio, and he tells a story of uh, week after week, he was getting uh, dockers come, I don't know if you call them dockers, like cases come across his desk, and for prostitution and human trafficking, and he would notice, I'm, I keep seeing the same people over and over, and something's wrong with this. He said, currently, about 1,500 prostitutions, um, uh, uh, people in prostitution gets uh, go through the court system per year just in Columbus. He's like, something's wrong with this. Statistically, 80% of, of people who get caught up in prostitution and then get charged, 80% of them go back into that again. And he's like, something's got to be done. Judge Paul is a believer, and he was going through uh, a purpose-driven life. And his daughters asked him many years ago, what's your purpose, Dad? And he started wondering, like, you know, am I just going to be a lawyer? Am I, am I just going to work? And he started thinking, what, what is God calling me to do here? So 10 years ago, in 2009, he started this thing called Catch Court. And he helped change the laws in Ohio so that uh, women who get uh, caught in, in prostitution or in human trafficking um, don't immediately go to jail, 
But there is, with his discretion, he can move them into something called catch court, which is like a two-year probationary period where he has brought other people from the community together to help these women break cycles and habits that actually got them caught up in prostitution in the first place. It's incredible. I mean, they're teaching them, they're, they're helping them get their GED. I don't know if you know this, you probably don't. 96% of women who get into prostitution um, uh, ran away from home first, right? So almost never made it through school. So he helps them get their GED. Then he helps them with, with dignity, human dignity conversations, getting uh, skills and, and things like that. At the moment, 10 years in, 73% of the women who go through catch court did not, do not relapse and go into it. It's completely changed the trend of that. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? To me, this is a believer who said, I've got to advance the kingdom of God through the work, the vocation that God gave me, yeah. right? And he is passionate about this. And um, so, so I, I just love those stories. But I want to ask you, what is God calling you to do in your sphere and in your area? What is God calling you to change? And maybe it's just with the three people you work with. Maybe it's the, I've got six people that I manage right now. The six people I manage... It breaks my heart. One of them is on a, has been on a liver transplant list for nine months and is so deathly ill right now. But God added him to um, our, uh, in, into my team. I invited him to church, and he got saved the first day. But he's still battling with this liver thing. Another guy does, works for me, doesn't come to our church, riddled with anxiety. Stuff that happens, he, he's out of the office for three or four days, just cannot cope with life. Another lady who works for me, also not at our church yet, but she's now going through uh, uh, um, uh, a place called Choices for victims of domestic abuse. And she's telling me these stories, sitting in my office, just crying about what's going on. A fourth person, this is four out of six people, is going through an another like, really difficult situation. I'm like, Lord, I mean, I, I want to be full-time at my church because I'm tired. This is hard to lead a church and have a job and have a family. But Lord, you surrounded me with people who so desperately need you. So desperately need me. So I have one-on-one -on -one meetings with my staff you know, every week. Half the time, they're sitting there telling me about what's going on in their life. They're crying. Or the couple that come to our church now, we're having little middle, mini, uh, mini Bible studies, you know, talking about what happened on Sunday and what does this mean and what does that mean. Like, hey, I've got, got work to be done, guys, but uh, all right, let's talk. Let's, let's have some Jesus time here at work. But I know for this season, God has called me to carry on at Huntington, to be an influence there, and to help change the atmosphere in the, in the place that God has given me. But my story shouldn't be unique. Jesus told you to go into all the world and to make disciples of all men. And if you're going to spend 40 to 50 hours a week in a place, I'm telling you that is your mission field. That is your mission field. Go and make disciples of all men. But friends, I want to pray for you today for courage. I want to pray for you for courage to step into some of those conversations. Maybe you've been working there for 10 years and you've never told anybody you're a believer. And now you're going to be like, how do I start this now? I've been a Christian all my life and I've been with them for 10 years. How do I start now? I just feel awkward. I want to pray for you for courage courage to step into these difficult conversations, courage to step into Jesus' conversations, 
courage to, to ask the Lord, what have you called me to do in this place to advance your kingdom here right now until you tell me to move and go to the next thing? What have you called me to do? Amen? Church, courage isn't always easy. Just acknowledge that it's not always easy, but it is necessary for us to advance the kingdom of God. It is necessary for us to be strong and be courageous because God is about to give you that city. God is about to give you that ground that you were supposed to take. Amen? So I've gone much faster than I was intending, but let me just end here. I'm excited. Was I talking too fast? You were with me? Let me just end here where I started. Courageous leaders are found in the Word of God. Verse 7 and 8. Are those verses still up here? Courageous leaders are found in the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night. Do not deviate to the left or to the right of what He's told you to do. Courageous leaders do not deviate from what God has told them. Encouragement here is stand with the convictions that you have. Stand on the courage that you've already found in the things that you truly believe because God is continually revealing things to you as you spend time in his word. God revealed to us about tithing 19 years ago when we got married, Kathy and I. I don't have to go back and fight that fight anymore. I stand on that conviction because God showed me and he showed himself to be true. Now I move on to the next thing. And I move on to the next thing. Amen? Courageous leaders worship. I don't think it's a stretch to say meditate on him day and night. Meditate on the words of the Lord day and night. I don't think it's a stretch to call that worship. We are thinking. We are worshiping. We are taking scripture. And we are bringing it back to him. Lord, this is who you say you are. You are amazing. Jesus, this is who you are. I love you. I worship you. I give you my all. Friends, courageous leaders in worship, it will give you the courage to sing when you want to cry. Says, we've had a few tough weeks. And the Lord has brought me back to worship. When it gets tough, worship. He will make you sing when all you want to do is cry. He will make you stand when all you want to do is run. Amen? Amen. And lastly, when you're discouraged and when you fear, remember the promise of the Lord in verse 9. I'm going to read it again. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. If you're sitting in this room and you are afraid or discouraged, this is an encouragement from the Lord. Do not be. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, can we close our eyes for just a moment? I've never preached the word on courage before, and I've said it about 47 times today. I believe the Lord wants us to grow in courage today, to grow in strength and courage because the Lord is taking this church into new ground. The Lord is taking this church into new territory. And it's going to require men and women, families, children, to take courage and take the Lord at his word. Amen.
So if you're sitting here, I know Terry did this earlier, and, and you're like, yeah, I want to respond. I've never given my life to Jesus. Perhaps in just talking about courage, you've, you've got some courage to say, yes, Jesus, I do want to step into what you have. So with every eye closed, is there anyone here? I'd love to pray with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'd love to pray with you right now. It doesn't mean you join this church. It doesn't mean you have to commit to anything other than beginning a relationship with Jesus and letting him lead you along that way. And then I want to just pray for those right now who are feeling discouraged and are feeling overcome with fear about different situations in their life right now. Maybe we can all stand together. Father, I thank you for your promise that says you are with us always. I thank you. You said this to Joshua. You said it. Jesus, when you say, go and make disciples of all nations, for I am with you always. You said it in Acts, when you say, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will have boldness to proclaim my word into all these places. Thank you, Jesus, that your promises are true, that you do not just leave us discouraged, you do not leave us in fear, you help us grow in courage, you help us grow in trust of you so that we could do what you've called us to do and go where you've called us to go. We're just gonna hang you for just a moment. If you've been discouraged, if you're struggling with fear, with anxiety and just things overcoming your mind, the Lord wants to minister courage to you now and comfort that the Holy Spirit would flood you right now, the Comforter, the presence of the Lord right here, right now. that demands a response, church. If there's a response in your heart this morning to say, yes, that's exactly what I need. I need that little bit of courage. I need to step in instead of step out. I need to step up instead of step back. If that's you this morning, just respond in your heart. You can respond by lifting your hands. You can respond by kneeling down. You can respond by simply just saying, yes, Lord, that's me. Come and touch me this morning right where I stand. David carries such a unique perspective of leading a church and carrying an executive position in a company like Huntington Bank. Such a unique individual. And he comes at that from such a unique perspective. God's trying to get our attention this morning, church. I love how he landed for us to walk into all that God has for us, whether that's individually or as a church. We need to respond to that word this morning, be strong 
and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I love that thing. Joshua wasn't hard of hearing. God's trying to make a point. Be strong and courageous. Let's just worship for a few minutes. We're going to close the meeting. Just respond in your heart this morning. If there's a response, respond in your heart this morning as we continue to worship. like um, I want to just lean in on one more po- on this on a point I brought up earlier but as a, a response it requires a response from us for 15 years I never managed to get anybody from my company to come to church with me up until the last few years where I decided and I just leaned into some of those conversations and so many people have come I'm just wondering if if that's you as well You've been praying, maybe you're at school and none of your friends have ever come to church with you or none of them have ever opened up a conversation with you. Or you're, you're a stay-at-home mom and, and you, you, you meet all these other moms and you meet these people in your neighborhoods and you just haven't gotten to that place where you can invite someone here to church or to your house for a Jesus conversation. Or you're at work and, and you're like, because of my position, because of my tenure, because of this, because of that, I can't. I want us to just make a commitment today that we're going to, there's a name, there's a name on your heart right now. If there is, why don't you put up your hand and you're making a commitment to say, Jesus, this week I'm going to put myself into a position where I can talk to somebody about this, where I can talk to that person on your heart. Friends, every one of you knows somebody who needs Jesus. Let's walk out of this place with a commitment to have that conversation. You can't save them. The Lord is going to go with you. But you can be obedient and take that action and have that conversation. Make that awkward spot of saying, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this. Or, hey, how's it going on in your life? I feel like God would like to tell you something. So church, let's pray with our hands raised, with that name on your lips. Jesus, I pray for Josh. Jesus, I pray for Wendy. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you give me the courage, Lord, to have a conversation this week. Maybe today. Maybe I'll text them. Maybe I'll call them. Maybe I'll reach out. Jesus, you said thousands of years ago, The harvest is ready. It's the workers that are few. And we've put up our hands right now to say, Lord, send me into those discussions. Send me into that life. Send me into that messy situation. That we would be a lamp in our city. We would be a light that is not hidden. Father, we pray for fruit. I pray for fruit in these decisions. I pray for fruit in these discussions. I pray next week there will be a line of testimonies up front here of what you did as we leaned into these discussions. Jesus, I pray for testimonies of people getting saved at work, saved at school, coming to church and meeting you, Jesus, and encountering the living God because somebody went out and spoke to them. We thank you. We trust you for this. In Jesus' name.